What an extraordinary week it's been. The Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade. And one of the people who's been campaigning for this joins me today, Anya. Anya Baker, thank you so much for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me. I always love coming by here. Now, you work for Her Plan, part of the Susan B. Anthony group. Mm -hmm. um, and you were on the Supreme Court steps um, several months ago. In fact, mm -hmm. you, you've been campaigning for this for years. What does it feel like to finally have the Supreme Court rule the way you want? Well, it's surreal. Um, lives saved, decades of work that the groundwork has been laid since before I was ever born. And so it's such an amazing moment and such a good opportunity to mobilize people further. Were you expecting it? Somewhat, due to the leak, but you never know what is actually going to happen until the day it happens. I was caught by surprise by a Friday um, rather than maybe the typical Monday or Wednesday releases we usually see. Now, one of the extraordinary things is the amount of attention that the whole issue of abortion and pro-life is now getting. But often, a lot of it's actually quite ill-informed. People are sort of believing what they want to believe. Mm -hmm. um, tell us, what, what does this actually change? What does this ruling mean for a state mm -hmm. like Mississippi? And then what does it mean for 49 other very different, diverse states? So for nearly 50 years, there's been unworkable jurisprudence. So states like Mississippi and many others have year after year pass pro-life legislation that regular people like me have elected representatives to pass pro-life legislation at different points, heartbeat bill, in this case the 15-week standard, uh, the 20-week standard. And so this is all about reducing accessibility, not abolition? Well, pro Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America, is pro-abolition of abortion. Mm -hmm. um, but we believe in people passing legislation that their state mm -hmm. wishes to have. So doing it democratically. Um, doing it democratically, and we, there has not been the opportunity because of the mm -hmm. 50 years of unworkable mm -hmm. jurisprudence. Mm -hmm. And so what this really means is that now, um, when we go to vote for someone who has campaigned on pro-life policy, they can actually, once it's passed, in, have this enforced and have this Alive. We've had this backed up policy all these years. So what the court's done is not really sort of ban abortion or restrict abortion at all. It's basically said over to you, the people in each state, and you yes. do what you want. Yes, and, and as you know, there's a big difference between what California believes about life in yep. the majority and what people in Mississippi believe, and we shouldn't be held to California's standard. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I agree to that. But why is it that there's been such a sort of vociferous backlash against this? If, if this is really just about saying, look, decide this, mm -hmm. each state decide it democratically for yourselves. Why is it that there's been this extraordinarily strong reaction? So, you know, you, you get corporate leaders saying they're going to be paying staff mm -hmm. who want um, abortions to travel from state, one state to another. What, what, what's prompted this? Well, one thing that's important to remember is that abortion is an industry. It does make money, um, contrary to pregnancy centers, which do not profit off of a woman uh, mm. making a decision. So there is money to be had. Mm. Another thing uh, to consider is uh, there is a, a belief that an abortion should be a right. And so years ago, maybe even decades ago, I hardly remember it, the belief was abortion should be uh, uh, legal, rare, uh, safe, legal, and rare. Mm -hmm. This was a before my time, really, the mantra of the pro-choice movement. Mm -hmm. And now, that is not what you hear. You hear on demand, without apology, taxpayer-funded. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a huge leap. 
And so with some people believing that even abortion should be taxpayer funded, the chasm between those of us who would like to not see abortion at all where we live and people who see that it should be free and happen as often as they'd like it, that's a huge chasm between us. Now, I, I was listening to a couple of conservatives talking about this issue, actually just before the, mm -hmm. the ruling, and what slightly alarmed me was they went from saying that it should be up to each state to decide to then implying that somehow we should be using the power of the federal government to try mm -hmm. and impose what you might call the, the Mississippi mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. point of view on the rest of America. What do you, what do you say to that? Well, in my role, I don't look through the lens of the federal government. I, I'm not on the policy side of things. Mm -hmm. um, but from my understanding, that's uh, will require certain majorities that are not existing yeah. at this time. And I think right now the focus is mm -hmm. even implementing and, and taking effect the trigger laws that exist, the trigger law that exists here in other states. So I think right now the time is everyone taking inventory of what their state is going to enact, mm -hmm. what exceptions exist, and uh, what the timeline looks like for that. There's going to be a huge learning process because now that states mm -hmm. have responsibility, they're going to have to actually find out what the law actually means and what the different options are. And I, mm -hmm. I sometimes think because the decision making was in the hands of a federal court, people never really thought that through. So actually, I think there's a great opportunity for kind of in, an informed debate that there hasn't been. Yes, just the opportunity to have a debate. And mm -hmm. each state's government and the way that they set up their laws are different. So there's not a one-size-fit-all uh, cause effect for these trigger laws or for the laws that are on the books. But we do know that Susan B. Anthony, uh, Pro-Life America, the policy team, has been meeting with governors and attorney generals over the past couple of years uh, to say, what would this look like? What should be the next step? And so for some states, that looks like a special session in order to enact some things. For some, that looks like at the beginning of the next session. Or for some, it just is an action on the Attorney General's part. Now, if you look at public opinion on the issue, it can be read in a number of different ways. And it kind of depends on the question you ask. If you, if you ask straightforward, are you in favor of maintaining Roe versus Wade and in favor of retaining abortion, you get clear majorities in favor. If you change the question slightly and say, you know, after a certain period of time, do you believe there should be restrictions? You get an equally large majority telling you something that seems to slightly contradict that. Do you think there's a risk that perhaps what will happen is there will be democratic decisions made, but the democratic decisions might not go the way you want? Well, that's certainly a concern. That's why education is really important. Mm -hmm. um, you saw after the leak a lot of what you're talking about. Um, I remember watching a segment of Steven Crowder talking to people on the street saying, um, are you in favor of this, what, what the leak says? And people said, no, it's horrible. And then they said, well, when do you think abortion should be outlawed? And they would say something like, heartbeat. So <laughs> yeah. there's obviously a lot of education yeah. to go around, and sometimes the media doesn't make that easy, but we're doing our best. <laughs> would, you, would you personally like to see a complete end to abortion in Mississippi, or do you think there are some mm -hmm. circumstances in which it could be allowed? We would like to see a ban, uh, a ban but there's, um, in the same topic of education, there's a conversation to be had mm -hmm. about what an abortion is. And so right mm -hmm. now I'm very concerned with the... Uh, confusion around um, something like ectopic pregnancy, the, the saving of the life of a mother in an ectopic pregnancy. This is when the embryo forms in the wrong part of the uterus and it can have devastating consequences for the mother. So it, it actually is outside of the uterus in the right. fallopian tubes and um, and yes this is not a, this is not an elective abortion. Um, things like uh, miscarriage, um, there's concern by some people that a miscarriage would be 
uh, the same thing as a, an abortion. And so the, the thing to remember in these situations is the intentionality. Are mm -hmm. The pro-life thing to do is to save life. And mm -hmm. so uh, in saving someone's life, whether that be um, an ectopic pregnancy or a woman with cancer, mm -hmm. um, them and their doctor make decisions that are still a pro-life decision. Mm -hmm. um, and that is being, I think, intentionally muddled in the conversation. I know here in Mississippi there's been a very fierce debate surrounding a, 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 an abortion center um, here in Jackson. Mm -hmm. And often when people think about the debate, they think about that. Mm -hmm. But could this be one of the cases where perhaps advances in medical science, for good or ill, have advanced so that actually it's not simply about clinics? Um, could we not be in a world in which if someone wanted to have this procedure, mm -hmm. they could you know, be sent pills, they could, e e is there not a danger that actually medical science has moved ahead of where the debate actually is? Up until a certain point in pregnancy, uh, there, are, there is chemical abortion, mm -hmm. and uh, there are state by state, another thing to audit mm -hmm. is what is the mail-in abortion policy? Are we talking about domestic or international mailing? Um, and what are the requirements around it? Is that already restricted? Every state is different. Um, in Mississippi, you have to see a doctor. And so the concern there is if women are buying from a phony website that is maybe out of the country and is preying on a woman, paying hundreds of dollars, I've actually recently heard a story like this in Mississippi, um, and that woman isn't following up with someone's care. I, I realize we don't like to grow regulation, but there are um, studies coming out that women are actually in grave danger because they don't know what they're buying. They're ingesting it and um, having these really devastating uh, side effects, mm -hmm. and uh, perhaps even being miscoded in the emergency room. And the first visit is to the emergency room instead of an OB. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, do you think that, I mean, your, your organization doesn't just campaign against abortion. You actually try to take action to make sure that women who uh, perhaps um, are thinking about the issue can actually be supported and you, your organization tries to encourage them to go ahead with the, the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Tell us about some of the practical things that you think need to be done if we're going to actually enact this legislation in Mississippi. Yes, so I've been very encouraged to meet with pregnancy centers, which are free uh, pregnancy clinics and resource centers all around the state, corner to corner of the state. Um, there are over 30 that exist um, and these have depending on the location, different services, but free access to STI testing and treatment, mm -hmm. uh, sonograms, pregnancy testing, material goods, parenting classes, mm -hmm. and the list goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to that, we have seven total categories of care that we focus on that cover a broad range of needs, like transportation, housing, uh, education opportunities, job opportunities, mm -hmm. and so many nonprofits and so many ministries, churches, mission groups have these resources and maybe just don't have a big marketing budget at this time and mm -hmm. they need more hands, they mm -hmm. need more funding from their local community and there's a willingness there and so mm -hmm. really what I'm trying to do by building an online directory is elevate these existing organizations mm -hmm. and make one another aware of what exists and mm -hmm. um, it's an excellent um, free market exchange of ideas and talents and comparative advantage mm -hmm. going on so mm -hmm. the, the economist interest side of me really gets excited. Looking ahead 20, 30 years, what, where do you think we will be with this debate? I mean, it's sometimes said that the values we hold today will be different and people often think that, you know, perhaps our attitude towards, I don't know, um, 
um, the, 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 the industrial farming industry might be different, or perhaps our attitudes towards capital punishment might be different. Do you think we might look back in 20, 30 years and think, what on earth were we doing when we allowed abortion? Or do you think the pendulum might go the other way? I absolutely think we'll be devastated by the thinking that we had um, for almost 50 years. Uh, when you go to the March for Life, which this is the largest march that happens every year in Washington, D.C., it doesn't get the media coverage that other marches do. Surprisingly. It's, it's, it's young people. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been going, I started as a college student going, it's positive, it's happy, mm -hmm. it's young, it's mm -hmm. female, mm -hmm. and it just looks nothing like you might hear it mm -hmm. would be, and it, it's an amazing experience, and so I'm very encouraged that when I see groups like Students for Life of America, which mm -hmm. is where I kind of got my start in college, um, it's, it's very young and very diverse, and, mm -hmm. and honestly there are secular groups popping up as mm -hmm. well that are very active. So it's not necessarily a question of religion, but really us catching up to mm -hmm. science, mm -hmm. knowing more and having more technology. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, there's a certain sort of shrillness and certainty on, on both sides of the debate, and I wonder if perhaps um, as each state is forced to decide for itself what its mm -hmm. policy is going to be, I, I hope there might be a, more of a sort of meeting of minds and an appreciation that you know, there are good people on both sides of the debate. One of the people who I think was particularly shrill when the news came out was um, uh, the President of France, Monsieur Macron, who mm -hmm. sent out a very peculiar tweet where he said he was going to express solidarity with American women. I did a bit of research and discovered that actually, even after this decision, the law in France is far more restrictive than it is in America. Mm -hmm. um, Tell us a bit about where this decision leaves America against, say, Europe in terms of liberalization of abortion. Yeah, this 15-week uh, restriction really puts us um, out of the backward space that the likes of North Korea is in. And we do talk a lot about Europe and how mm -hmm. Europe has restrictions like these, that it's a common sense mm -hmm. uh, change, that it's not something radical. And actually, the radical position is the fact that still now, with Roe overturned, you can get late-term abortions. Mm -hmm. You can get a third trimester abortion in certain states. And we're talking babies that if they were delivered by C-section would survive. Well, I mean, presumably there's that thing you could still do in America, which is to move if you find that you live in a state where you mm -hmm. really can't tolerate mm -hmm. the, um, the relatively modest by European standards restrictions, you could move to California or, or, or live somewhere else. Um, I mean, that's one of the things about America. We don't, we don't have to have a sort of centralized, mm -hmm. uniform solution to these things. Um, where do you think this would leave states like California, which have a sort of almost an inbuilt progressive majority? Do you think we're going to see the total liberalization of abortion there? I think more states will, will write abortion into that, that are on this side of the debate will mm -hmm will keep abortion in their state constitutions. And I'm very sad to see that. I think a lot of them are going to make a tourism industry out of it, which I think we'll look back on in 50 or 100 years and be really disgusted by. Um, and people can vote with their feet. They can go. Uh, but what I what is interesting to me, especially speaking from a, a corporate angle, is these uh, corporations saying that they're willing to now come up with $4,000 stipends to send a woman um, out of state for an abortion, and it leaves me scratching my head thinking, I wonder why those same organizations don't have paid maternity leave if they can afford it privately. That's a very good point. So a lot of these organizations 
corporations that are offered this mm -hmm. are, are don't offer paid maternity leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's an extraordinary, extraordinary set of priorities. It also expresses a lot of contempt for the customer because you know I, I go to sort of Dick Sporting Goods, for example, and I go there to buy my uh, family um, the sports equipment they need to play softball and games like that. I don't really want a, a, a political lecture from them. Um, but um, they seem to sort of want to grandstand um, and grandstand um, in a progressive direction. Uh, mm, it's interesting to claim to be elevating women at the same time, prefer that they get back to the shelves as soon as possible rather than taking that lead that they might need mm -hmm. for their family. Mm -hmm. why, why do you think it is that a certain kind of progressive has latched onto this issue and made it such a sort of test of, of what they would see as, as virtue? Mm -hmm. um, is it because they think that it annoys and upsets um, conservative Christian America? Is it is it because they they fundamentally don't see it as a case of of, of killing an unborn life? Mm. What is it that makes them so? I mean, I was listening to some of the interviews being done to, uh, with some of the protesters, and just the sheer aggressive certainty was 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 quite breathtaking. I think when it comes to corporations, they think they're making an economic decision. I think they're completely detached from it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see these sort of things during a lot of social issue campaigns mm -hmm. where there's a lot of virtual signaling going on, and I don't truly believe much of the leadership cares. Mm -hmm. I think that they are signaling to appeal to a certain market, but I think they're miscalculating because we keep hearing time and time again, go woke, go broke, it's not going well, and I'm just wondering uh, why so many are speaking up about this, because I've heard that there are PR firms for these major organizations that are saying, please don't speak about Roe, this go woke, go broke thing yeah. is real. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, there were two other really interesting Supreme Court decisions, um, nowhere like as um, much attention as, as, as this decision, but one was overturning a New York um, local law on uh, permit to carry um, mm -hmm. firearms and um, the other was on um, a uh, couple of families in Maine wanting to send their uh, children to a religious school and using in effect public money as a sort of public voucher um, to do so and in both cases the court ruled um, in a conservative direction. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that the conservative court that we're seeing is going to do, do more, or do you think it's kind of reached the limits of, 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 of jurisprentice in a kind of um, conservative direction? Are there other cases looming? There may be, but really I think of our court as finally uh, landing on not trying to decide everything for us. And so I think what, whatever the issue may be, and in this case abortion or maybe education or guns, I think there's this fatigue that the court is feeling of mm -hmm why do you keep uh, asking us to decide everything instead of allowing the people to do so? That is how I read some of this. And so um, I think if this court holds the way it is and it stays the number that it's at, then you're going to continue to see the justices saying, please allow people to do what they've elected people to do. So it's not actually judicial activism. Actually, it's the opposite of that. It's the judges undoing the legacy of the Warren Court and the judicial aggrandizement of the past 50 years and actually saying, look, we're just, we're just nine mm -hmm. referees, nine umpires in this. Don't ask us. Mm -hmm. Decide at a local state for yourself the mm -hmm. kind of public school funding system you want, the kind of rules you want on abortion. Um, it's, it's the opposite of judicial activism, you would say. 
yeah, I, I can't imagine how frustrate, frustrating it may be if you're a justice right now and you're hearing, oh, re imposing religion, imposing views. I think that they want to get out of our lives as much as possible. <laughs> and a good thing, too. And a very, I mean, I think a truly conservative justice would re reflect on the fact that the, I don't think the founding generation would have ever conceived that the major public policy debates of the day would be decided by nine unelected officials sitting on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I agree with you. Wonderful. Anya, thank you so much for coming in. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a huge, huge, huge triumph for people like you who've been campaigning on this for years. Um, and um, I hope you come back um, and update us in due course. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.